0: Welcome to the Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you, so send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all, enjoy the show. Endorsement season is so overwhelming, right? My kid went to open up a Daniel Tiger video on YouTube and an aggressively terrifying Christine Drazen attack ad threatening all Oregonians' right to abortion blasted in his face. Yes, I know how ads work, and also facts, but this is a particularly toxic fuckscape of a year, right? Like, can we chill? The public is so divided and also so weirdly angry but the stakes are only really high for some of us, particularly the houseless, the working poor, women, LGBTQI individuals, parents, elderly, the infirmed, anyone making less than two hundred thousand dollars a year, and every single brick in downtown. Did I, uh, did I miss anyone? Is that everybody? If you need a panacea, I suggest visiting the alien autopsy at the Peculiarium as a reminder that things could be worse. We could be being flayed open in outer space by hostile alien overlords. It's Saturday, October 22nd, and this is episode 94 of The Dive. Vote Healthy 2022 is WW's official endorsement issue. Over the past month, Willamette Week's news team conducted several interviews with candidates seeking the paper's endorsement. They examined the new measures we'd see on the ballot and gave their arguments for or against them. Now it's up to Portland voters to, or not to, consider the opinions of our city's dedicated newswriters before ultimately coming to their own informed conclusions about what choices best represent places they live. News editor Aaron Mesh will join me to unpack some of the more controversial endorsements of WW's news team and give us an insider perspective on the entire endorsement process. But first, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week The county courthouse is short staffed, with a job vacancy rate of 12%. Vacancies are reportedly hard to fill, and turnover is high. There's that. There's also the closure of the Pearl District Starbucks following closures in Gateway, Hollywood, and, you guessed it, downtown. Safety concern was the reason cited for the closure. The infamous Tuna monologue from Christopher Durang's play Laughing Wild was done by nearly every girl in my high school drama class, including me. Max Tapanga reports that now we can all see an actual professional recite the monologue at 2110 Theater's current production of the 1987 play. During their endorsement interviews, the WW News team asked each candidate what their last meal on earth would be, and Ron Wyden, Democrat for U.S. Senate, flexed about having eaten dinner at each of the 51 Fred Meyer stores. His last meal would be, and this lives in my head rent-free, a Fred Meyer chicken dinner and a private selection cherry pie. Now let's chat about this cycle's WW Endorsements with Aaron Mesh. How does the team decide who they're going to endorse?
1: I'm glad you asked that. I think it's like a really important place to start is that uh, as we're endorsing in 40 contests and another, I think, I don't know how you spliced it, Somewhere between 8 and 15 ballot measures, depending on uh, on how you count the Multnomah County ones. Every single one of those is an interview. Mm-hmm. So in each case, we bring in candidates or the uh, supporters or opposition to a measure into our offices, and we hold a joint interview. And the editorial board is there to talk to them. Now, we're very different than almost any other newspaper in the country. There are are a few all weeklies that still do it the way we do it, but I don't know that there are many left. Meaning that, unlike, say, the Oregonian, where they have a dedicated uh, opinion department that writes their endorsements, And it's very different from the views of the reporters. Mm. And of course, the reporters are eager to jump online as quickly as possible as soon as the Oregonian issues endorsements and declaim the endorsements, distance themselves, basically disavow, right? And so we have nothing to do with this nonsense. Well, we have a lot to do with this nonsense. Mm -hmm. We we sit together as a team, and it is a one-person, one-vote conversation. And And the conversation often begins with a... A straw poll. Where do you stand on this? Everybody, raise your hand. You can't hear it on the audio. But I'm raising my hand, <laughs> and uh, and then we begin to argue with each other, and we and we debate sometimes for an hour about uh, each contest, and and those debates can get spicy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How many team members are sitting for these endorsement interviews? How many how many reporters are in the room?
1: Uh, there are all of our reporters, which is. Four reporters right now, plus
0: uh, two editors, so it's six people. What do the demographics of this interview team look like? I think
1: it's too white.
0: So there are there any BIPOC members of the news team? Not at this time. When we last talked about endorsements in April, I didn't necessarily think any of the paper's positions were super controversial, but this time around, I really did watch Twitter go up. Um, at your endorsement of Renee Gonzalez over Joanne Hardesty, what's changed since April?
1: On the one hand, Joanne Hardesty is one of the most accomplished members of city council, and I think people should be impressed by what she achieved in uh, a single term. Yeah. That she brought to to, to fruition Portland's street response, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, a real step forward in how you handle uh, mental distress on the streets. Yeah. Uh, she, I think, kept a lot of restaurants alive with a street seating program that allows for outdoor dining. The Portland Clean Energy Fund uh, is uh, a work in progress, but certainly is an interesting and ambitious plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't say that this is somebody who doesn't get things done. So the I think the question that confronted our editorial board is whether the things that she was doing are addressing the question that we're most concerned about. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that one that for me personally, I can't speak for the whole board, but one that for me personally, I find very troubling is a kind of cavalier attitude about the condition of downtown. Mm-hmm. That uh, that the commercial vacancy rate is 26%. That's the tax base that allows uh, the funding of things like PCEF and Portland street response and the and the programs that help the vulnerable mm-hmm. you need that, that, that funding base and, and frankly you need uh, the kind of commons where people are engaged with each other on a daily basis in portland's most important neighborhood uh, and there was a, a kind of cavalier attitude about that from Commissioner Hardesty that
0: I think I personally found very troubling and uh, Renee Gonzalez was giving you. What was it what was he giving you that was that really sold you on that endorsement?
1: I don't think Renee Gonzalez gave me anything that sold me on Renee Gonzalez.
0: Really? So this is just a
1: a I don't think that Commissioner Hardesty is uh, in a place where she's willing to engage in dialogue with people who disagree with her. Hmm. But I, I, I really can't speak more strongly that I have very little faith in Renee Gonzalez.
0: Okay. So was this like a real toss-up in the in the room?
1: Yes, yeah, I would say that there were there were several contests that were close, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some things weren't close. Some things were were no, no decisions are easy, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not sitting there and like, oh, that's a shoe, and let's not even have a conversation about that. But other contests are uh, are much closer and more contentious, and both the city and county races, which by the way are the two races where we reversed ourselves from May. Mm-hmm conversations that were um, animated.
0: Animated. I thought that charter reform would be endorsed and was really surprised to see that it wasn't. Can you give me like the cliff notes on why the team recommends voting against charter reform?
1: Yeah, I can walk you through our logic here, which is the combination of ranked choice voting or this particular uh, version of ranked choice voting combined with multi-member districts you do not need to get to 25% of the vote in order to be elected. And I think two very bad consequences happen from that. The first is that people can be elected who do not have widespread support. Mm -hmm. And by widespread support, I don't mean that like simply that that, uh, a BIPOC community is excited about them, but no one else is. That's not what I mean. What what I mean is that uh, they can have uh, outlier views I do not think it would be terribly difficult to elect an anti-LGBTQ candidate in East Portland based on this system. Yeah, I don't, it would be very hard to find uh, someone from the uh, from the Russian Orthodox community out in East Portland who believes very strongly that marriage is between one man and one woman,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that transgender children should be forced back in the closet with violence. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd have a hard time getting that person elected to city council in this system if they chose to run. Yeah.
2: And
1: then there's a second problem, which is once you elect them, they're never leaving. It's an incumbent protection system because once someone has enough name recognition that they're on city council, it's going to be so difficult to have them finish fourth. Yeah. So in every election cycle, it's like, okay, everybody hates Steve Novick. Steve Novick can go to hell. Uh, Steve will be listening to this. And Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> well, screw you Sorry. So that was the mood of the voters in uh, in 2016. And Steve Novick lost to Chloe Udaly. But Steve Novick wouldn't have lost under this system. Mm-hmm. Under this system, Steve Novick would have finished second. And Steve Novick and Chloe Udaly would both serve in office. Mm-hmm. Now, in the year 2020, the mood of the voters was... Screw you, Chloe Udaly. Chloe Udaly's trying to destroy our neighborhoods. Chloe Udaly wants to put a tent inside my yard. <laughs> okay. Chloe Udaly lost two Mingus maps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But under this system, she wouldn't have lost. Mm-hmm. Chloe Udaly would have won, or finished second, to Mingus maps. Yeah. So now we would have Steve Novick, Mingus maps, and Chloe Udaly representing a district. It's not a precise analogy, right? And there's going to be people who are already like, Listening to this, furious about this analogy because it's not entirely exact. You do have, you can see the problem, right? You can see why I'm worried about that. Is that if someone has enough name recognition, even if they're not well liked, they will have a difficult time getting rid of them. I actually think that, like in some ways, I see a parallel between that and the problems that I see now on a national level of the two-party system. Yeah. Where you're stuck with always the Republican or the Democrat. Yeah. And I think this is an attempt to fix that in Portland, and I don't think this system will do it.
0: What was the most divisive endorsement that you had to discuss?
1: Oh, I think it was the Myron JVP uh, endorsement. Really? So the money endorsement, yeah.
0: What, what, was so, what made it so divisive? Well,
1: first of all, bear in mind that unlike the, the Hardesty Gonzalez race, the Hardesty Gonzalez race is in some way symbolic, right? Like, Joanne Hardesty is not the police commissioner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Rene Gonzalez, if he's elected, will not be in charge of homeless camping.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But those are the two issues that they spend most of their time talking about, uh, despite the fact that they have very little control over them. Now, by contrast, Deborah Kafori is in charge of all homelessness spending. And that means whoever succeeds her, whether it's Commissioner Jessica Vega-Peterson or Commissioner Sharon Myron, is going to be in charge of, and forgive me if I get this number wrong, but I think it's $262 million. Mm -hmm. Whoever wins that office is going to have an an enormous amount of control over the purse strings of homelessness spending. And I don't know about you, but I am not comfortable with how we're doing. Yeah. No. No. No one's comfortable with how we're doing. The question is whether or not Sharon Myron could do any better. Yeah. So Jessica Vega-Peterson has made it fairly clear that she'll continue on the current policies that are in place.
0: Mm -hmm. Of all of these endorsement interviews, which stood out as the most um, controversial?
1: The governor's interview stood out, but not because it was so controversial, but because it was impressive how high wattage all three of those candidates are. We have oh. three women running for governor in Oregon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they are extraordinarily talented. Yeah. Uh, and I think that given what a difficult time Tina Kotek is facing in that contest, given that there's a very decent chance that, 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 that Democrats lose the governor's office for the first time in 36 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You might think that because of that, Kotek is somehow a weak candidate, but she isn't. I, I think she might be the most impressive candidate we've seen come into our office running for governor in three or four cycles, meaning like we're talking about a dozen, 20 years. Like this is like, it's in recent memory. It is hard to recall someone who is as sharp and ready to go as she is.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, She just faces exceptionally formidable competition in a absolutely terrible
0: environment. Her competition is formidable, but do they, do they match her? Uh, in efficacy or oh no no well well I mean Christine Drazen doesn't match her
1: in efficacy. Christine Drazen is, uh, is is not someone who has can, can hold a candle to Tina Koteck's accomplishment. Yeah Betsy Johnson can. Betsy Johnson uh, is, has been extraordinary extraordinarily effective. The mm-hmm. question
0: as always is who is she effective for? What have the reactions been from the readers so far?
1: I think that some readers probably saw this coming i don't think all readers did but we've expressed real concerns regarding both the the crisis on the streets of this city which i think we have reiterated in the both the introduction to this package and in the hardest gonzalez endorsement and the jvp myron endorsement we've also expressed and i think you can sometimes like look at our coverage in the weeks leading up to an endorsement and see and see at least see our thinking if not know for sure where we're going to land
2: yeah
1: uh, and i think that like i can't tell you how troubled i was by the commissioner's response to the dawson park story particularly the unwillingness to to grant that uh, that she should be working with police officers to respond to the concerns of people who live in that neighborhood, black families who moved back into that neighborhood. That just didn't seem to be on the table for her as a, as a discussion. And the answer was, I didn't get those emails, which we had the emails. She got the emails. Uh, I mean, let me, let me be clear again. She's an extremely accomplished commissioner, very, uh, Savvy, she's the smartest person in the room when any of us are sitting there with her. She also is hoping to survive an extraordinarily difficult election cycle that is where the city of Portland is lurching to the right, Mm -hmm. and she's trying to do so, I think essentially by hiding from significant questions, like by not confronting issues that are inconvenient for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I have been, and look, we know the undercurrent of this conversation. I'm a white guy criticizing the first black woman to serve on the on the Portland City Council. It's uh, not a comfortable position for me to be in. Uh, and yet I've been waiting all summer and really since the beginning of the year for a moment of courage from her to say, uh, the number of people in the Hazelwood neighborhood who are being killed is untenable. The number of people who are being killed in the streets that surround my home is untenable. I'm not changing my position on police, but I am going to be part of the solution and look for answers to this. And I'm getting out in front of this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she's done that because she knows how politically inconvenient that crisis is to her platform.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm wondering, should I ask, was there anything left out? How was there? That's a good
1: question i'm trying to, there always are like so that's that's not an unfair question i'm pretty sure that like okay so i believe we forgot house district 31 ooh, uh, which is uh which sort of sneaks into the edge of the portland metro area up in the northwest hills out tr- out toward like uh linton yeah so like way out there on the northwest fringe of portland is a house district that is competitive and that we forgot. So, sorry, Witt. Uh, I think you'll probably win without us, but sorry.
0: Um, Was that your official endorsement for Witt?
1: Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, how it, that's, uh, that's how. That's that's how. We'll, that's how we'll headline the entire package next time. <laughs>
2: sorry.
1: sorry. Uh, what else did we miss? Um, that's a good enough answer.
0: and thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!